Coming up this evening on NTD Business, Wall Street's worst day since 2020, home loan demand cooling off, and CEOs warning of recession. We talked to a man who's been sounding the alarm a lot longer. Casino mogul Steve Wynn accused of lobbying then-President Trump on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. He apparently wanted a Chinese dissident sent back to China. One of the largest white-collar crimes in U.S. history. Allianz will pay over $6 billion for fraud. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. The demand for homes seems to be cooling off. Fewer Americans are taking out new loans to buy, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Mortgage rates are rising fast. The 30-year mortgage rate hit 5.3% last week. That's the highest since July 2009. But some things could keep home prices high. Builders aren't applying for as many construction permits as before. In fact, it reached a five-month low. That could reduce the number of homes in the market. Builders already have too much on their hands, it seems. The backlog of projects is now at the highest level since 1999. Supply chain problems have held back building. Builder sentiment is dropping. They blame it on soaring prices for building materials. And supply problems are hurting major retailers too. Target stock plunging 25% today. Reported its first quarter earnings made for its worst day since Black Monday in 1987. Target CEO says high costs are now affecting its bottom line. Anthony's Phil Zoe has more. Target stores like this one behind me right here in Manhattan is down over $1 billion in net profit compared to the same time last year. His CEO says one reason is because of unusual high costs. I spoke to Jenny, a parent who's been shopping at Target for years. I'm buying like food stuff for my daughter. She says prices have been changing. It's getting higher, I believe. Even though profits are down because of high costs, which gets passed down to customers, Target's revenue actually went up. Sometimes I just like shopping in Target. But it still fell short of expectations on Wall Street during its first quarter earnings. Its CEO says they made less money than expected. Target shares fell over 25% this morning on the news. Phil Zoe, NTD News, New York. And Target wasn't alone. We saw another big sell-off on Wall Street today. It was the worst one-day loss for the S&P 500 since June 2020. It fell 165 points, 4%. The Dow dropped 1,164 points, 3 and 6 tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq lost 566 points, 4 and 7 tenths of a percent today. And Wells Fargo's CEO says the worst is yet to come for Americans. He expects an economic recession. He says the recession, though, will only be mild, that consumer spending is still strong. Note those comments came before Target's weak earnings today. Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to fight inflation, but this could slow the economy into an economic downturn. So, Fed's chairman wants to navigate a, quote, soft landing as it raises rates, but recently admitted that won't be so easy. Wells Fargo isn't alone in thinking we're heading for a recession. Conference board survey found a majority of CEOs feel the same way. It said, quote, CEO confidence weakened further in the second quarter as executives contended with rising prices and supply chain challenges. Target CEO today said it sees no end in sight for those rising prices. 
And with us live is the founder of Europe Pacific Capital, Peter Schiff. Peter, thanks for coming on. When we talk about a recession in 2022 or 2023, what exactly are you expecting? Well, first of all, I think the recession has already started. I think we're in it now. It's just early. In fact, the first quarter was already a negative print. And I don't think it's going to be a mild recession. I think this recession is going to be worse than the Great Recession that started following the 2008 financial crisis. So, you know, and remember, the government didn't see that one coming either. And in fact, when we were six or seven months into that recession, the Federal Reserve and other economists still claimed that there was no recession anywhere in sight. So this recession is going to be much worse than that one. And what's going to make it particularly problematic is inflation, because inflation is actually going to be exacerbated by the recession. So Americans are going to have the worst of both worlds, a worse recession than the Great Recession of 08, but worse inflation than anything we experienced during the 1970s. So let's take it part by part, Peter. So first of all, we hear the banks are well capitalized this time. They're stronger this time. How could it be a worse recession than 2008? Well, that's what they said last time, right before the financial crisis. They said the banks were in great shape. Look, the banks are only in good shape until the value of their collateral collapses and people can't repay their loans. That's what happened in the last financial crisis. This one is going to be even bigger because the economy has a lot more debt now than it had in 2008. And Americans are less able to pay it when interest rates rise because the balances are much greater. So we're in much worse shape as a result of all the bailouts and all the stimulus that papered over the last crisis. And so now the one we're dealing with is going to be much worse because we kicked the can down the road instead of solving the problems when we had a chance. Is there a remedy or is the damage already done? Well, there's a remedy, but it's not without pain. And unfortunately, it's the middle class and the poor that are going to feel the pain the most. Because if the Fed fights inflation, it's middle class and poor people who are going to suffer the most during the inflation fight. If they don't fight inflation because they think they want to spare the middle class the pain of a horrible recession, well, then they're going to suffer even more uh, with massive inflation. I want to note for the viewers as well, Peter, before the 2008 crisis, you were one of the only ones who did predict it and, and were warning people at the time, to, just to give some context. Let's look at the stock market today. How much further can stocks drop by your calculation? Well, they can drop a lot farther, and they will drop a lot farther until the Fed does an about-face and acknowledges how weak the economy is. See, the Fed is only pretending it's going to fight inflation because it's also pretending that the economy is strong enough to withstand the fight. It's not. Even though the fight is inadequate to solve the inflation problem, it's going to cause a big problem for the economy that is so levered up on debt. And in fact, you talked about the target earnings. Earnings are collapsing because target customers are spending all their money on food. And Target doesn't make big profits selling food. It makes profits selling other goods that Americans are now too poor to afford. And so the bad news is now Target has to really raise prices even more, especially for food. Uh, the inflation problem, if you look at businesses and earnings, they performed well last year, right, with the stimulus, et cetera. It looks like they're getting completely burned at both ends between rising costs and then demand destruction as people can't afford to pay for the stuff, like you said. Exactly. And, you know, when you have people like Elizabeth Warren claiming that the businesses are gouging the customers, they're not. They're actually not raising prices enough. 
they have to raise prices more because the businesses have been taking a hit uh, in, in their margins. And yes, they're going to have to prepare for reduced uh, sales at higher prices because customers don't have the money. And that's when the layoffs begin. See, that's the problem. As companies have to downsize because their customers can't afford their products, those businesses can't afford their workers. And so we're going to get rising inflation and surging unemployment at the same time. We're seeing layoffs with major companies already, as you said. So, Peter, what should regular Americans do? Stock up on the stuff that they need now while they can still afford it. I mean, prices are going to go much higher for basic necessities, but eventually the government's going to have price controls. And that means a lot of these necessities won't even be available. You think we have shortages now, wait till you see how bad they get when government imposes price controls. So my advice is to shop now, buy what you can while it's still on the shelves and before prices go even higher. Got about 30 seconds, Peter. You really think the government is going to apply price controls? How would that look? Well, it would look horrible. I mean, we did it in the 1970s. Uh, why wouldn't they do it again? The government has a history of repeating its mistakes. It never learns from them. Just want to say gold held up today, Peter, amid all the sell-off. Peter Schiff, Europe Pacific Capital. Thank you, Peter. Sure thing. And Tesla is no longer part of the S&P 500's ESG index. ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. Many investors use ESG to evaluate certain potential investments. S&P head of ESG said it removed Tesla over claims of racial discrimination crashes linked to its autopilot vehicles, and a lack of disclosures compared to industry peers. Tesla CEO responded, tweeting, ESG is a scam. He said it's been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. It does highlight a growing controversy about how to judge corporate ESG performance. At the same time Tesla was removed, Twitter, which Elon Musk might buy, was added. It's unclear why. And Allianz, one of the world's biggest asset managers has pleaded guilty to criminal securities fraud, will have to pay over $6 billion. They're accused of lying to investors, which led to billions of dollars in losses when COVID hit. Anthony's fake quarter has more. International financial services provider Allianz, headquartered in Germany, has agreed to pay over $6 billion for its criminal securities fraud over in America. Its U.S. asset management unit, called Structured Alpha, pleaded guilty to criminal securities fraud. In other words, lying to investors, which included pension funds for teachers, clergy, bus drivers, engineers, and others. Structured Alpha funds used to manage over $11 billion in assets, but lost over $7 billion when COVID-19 broke out, partially due to the lies. Prosecutors said the lies included fake documents, fake risk reports, altered spreadsheets, and lies about its investment strategy. A classic case of failure of internal controls at the company. When dealing with sophisticated financial products, regulators don't have the opportunity, the resources, or the capability to check everything that is going on. John Joy is a managing attorney at FTI Law, which focuses on financial crime. Joy says this type of fraud is uncommon. It appears to have been a highly sophisticated operation that will go down in history as one of the landmark white-collar crime cases. Prosecutors say Greg Tornant was the primary architect of the fraud. They say Tornant misled investors into believing the fund was immune to market crashes because of hedges. 
hedges. But as the hedges became expensive, they say Tornant secretly bought cheaper hedges instead. Regulators also allege Tornant altered over 75 risk reports that were sent to investors. In one instance, a projected loss from a market crash scenario was changed from 42.15% to 4.15%. Allianz is one of the biggest asset managers in the world. It operates in over 70 countries and serves 126 million customers. Bay Quarter, NTD News. And the U.S. Department of Justice is suing casino mogul Steve Wynn to compel him to register as a foreign agent for China. The DOJ says Wynn was helping Beijing in 2017 to expel a Chinese asylum seeker who was here in the United States. They just on Ma's the details. The DOJ says Wynn had made repeated requests on behalf of Beijing to then-President Donald Trump to deport a Chinese businessman. The businessman is not named in the suit, but he matches the description of Guowen Gui, a billionaire real estate magnate and an outspoken critic of Beijing. Mark Ruskin is a 27-year FBI veteran and author of The Pretender, My Life Undercover for the FBI. You know, if an individual is acting as a foreign agent for a foreign entity, I mean, and the entity can be in, in various different forms, and is concealing the relationship, then, you know, then it, it can be a, a serious issue. The Justice Department is pursuing a civil lawsuit against Wynn under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA. How would registering as a foreign agent of China impact Wynn? It may impact his uh, negotiating position. It may impact his uh, relationships internationally with other countries where he may have financial relationships or ongoing business interests where there is a uh, uh, more adversarial relationship perhaps with China and it may impact in, in, those, in those relationships. The DOJ says the reason Wynn was helping Beijing is because he had business interests in China. His Wynn Resorts operates a luxury hotel and casino in Macau. Wynn denies any wrongdoing in the matter. His attorney says he was merely a loyal messenger of information he received to our government. But Ruskin says relaying information could be a violation of FARA. You know, relaying information, depending on the, uh, what's going on in the background, could arguably be a violation of FARA if it's being done on, on behalf of the foreign entity and if there's some... Uh, particularly if there's some consideration involved, if there's some benefit to the individual doing the relaying. Ruskin suggests the DOJ may not have enough evidence on when to pursue a criminal action lawsuit, but it's fair to assume the DOJ is confident about succeeding in a civil suit, which Ruskin says would achieve essentially the same goal. Don Ma, NTD News. And the economic problems aren't just isolated to America. Chinese tech giant Tencent, China's most valuable company, saw its worst quarter since going public in 2004. It posted zero revenue growth and profit for the quarter fell just over a half, its biggest drop since going public. The firm's market value has also dropped to less than half its peak of $930 billion, which it hit in February just last year, now stands at $451 billion. The fall in revenue growth comes after two quarters of softening sales. Tencent's also seen its expansion chances hurt by a regulatory crackdown by Beijing and the country's largest internet firms. Russia has seized one of Google's bank accounts, the one belonging to its Russian subsidiary. 
Google said today it would make it impossible for it to operate in Russia and that Google Russia will file for bankruptcy. For months, Google refused to delete content that Russian law deemed illegal, while at the same time blocking access to some Russian media in Europe and other countries. While Google has stopped most of its businesses in Russia, it's still providing free services like Google Search and YouTube. The European Union unveils a roadmap today to ditch Russian energy. They're trying to cut off Russian's energy revenue over its invasion of Ukraine, of course, and push forward the European Green Deal. The Discon Fredriksen reports. The European Union on Wednesday unveiled a plan to end its reliance on Russian energy by 2027 and to use the pivot away from Moscow to quicken its transition to green energy. So Repower EU will help us to save more energy, to accelerate the phasing out of fossil fuel, and most importantly, to kickstart investments on a new scale. So I would say this will be the speed charging of our European Green Deal. Europe relies heavily on Russia for fossil fuels. A quarter of its total energy comes from Russia, including oil, natural gas and coal. That reliance is making it hard for the bloc to sanction Russia over its invasion of Ukraine and has prompted a rethink. Putin's war is, as we all see, heavily disrupting the global energy market. It shows on one hand how dependent we are on imported fossil fuels, but it also shows how vulnerable we are on relying on Russia for importing our fossil fuels. The $300 billion plan has three parts. Besides importing more non-Russian gas, it wants more efforts to save energy. We will therefore increase the EU energy efficiency target for 2030 from 9% to 13%. And a faster rollout of renewables. Here we are increasing our target for 2030 from 40% renewable energy to 45% renewable energy. The European Commission also proposed a $9.4 billion loan to Ukraine to keep the country going as it struggles to fend off the Russian invasion and wants to set up a reconstruction facility for after the war. Still to come, stay with us. Wendy's and McDonald's had taken to court over the size of their burger patties. What are they accused of? Items from basketball legend Michael Jordan going up for auction. How much could they rake in? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. McDonald's and Wendy's are being sued for allegedly misleading customers about the size of their burger patties. Plaintiffs claim the burger ads for both of the fast food restaurants misled customers about the size of many of the burgers on their menus. Class action lawsuit alleges that McDonald's and Wendy's ads made their burgers appear 15 to 20 percent larger than the ones they actually serve. The burgers under scrutiny include McDonald's flagship Big Mac and Wendy's Baconator, and other items in both restaurants' menus. The plaintiffs are asking for monetary damages and injunctive relief. 
The 35-page complaint comes 50 days after similar claims were made against Burger King. And Coca-Cola in the United Kingdom has announced it will introduce bottles with caps that are attached to make it easier to recycle all parts of the packaging as part of the world, its World Without Waste initiative. The new attached caps were introduced Tuesday and will be featured in bottles of Fanta, Diet Coke and Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. In a statement, Coca-Cola said the move makes it the first major soda company to announce the adoption of the attached caps for all of its bottles. Both the bottles and caps have been recyclable for some time, but the caps are often thrown away instead of being recycled. Coca-Cola plans to add the attached cap to all bottles in the United Kingdom by 2024. Wonder how people didn't think of it earlier. And engineers from the University of Cambridge are developing robots that can taste as they cook. Deciding if a dish needs more seasoning during preparation, for example. The Deuce Quarter reports. This robot is being taught how to taste scrambled eggs. Robot chefs are becoming more commonplace in the kitchen, preparing everything from pizza to paella. But when it comes to sampling the food, they still must defer to their human counterparts. Until now. The current project is a robotic chef, which uh, has a very simple sense of taste. And we can use this taste, for, for, for example, to try to replicate your favorite dish. Engineers from the University of Cambridge are developing robots that can taste as they cook and decide if a dish needs more seasoning. The arm repeatedly samples the food in different places until a comprehensive taste map is created by the robot's computer. It reacts to things like salinity, but it also reacts to things like humidity and consistency of the food. The food is blended into various consistencies to simulate different stages of the chewing process. We kind of simulate chewing by, by mechanically processing the food, we can almost get a video of how the food reacts uh, to chewing. The team says that by imitating the human processes of chewing and tasting, robots will eventually be able to produce food that humans will enjoy and that could be tweaked according to individual tastes. The huge advantage of robotic taste is that it's objective. It will be always the same. So we have no effect by mood or by personal preference. And it will always remember all the dishes it tasted before. While we would try to taste a lot of dishes, it would be hard for us to compare the current dish to the dish 10 dishes behind. They hope the research will help develop more advanced automated or semi-automated food preparation as robots learn what tastes good and what doesn't. Faye Quarter, NTD News. And an ink drawing by Michelangelo sold for more than $24 million at Christie's auction house in Paris today. The work had been designated a French national treasure which barred it from being exported from the country for 30 months. But the French government recently removed that designation, so it can be offered to collectors anywhere in the world. The drawing is thought to be one of Michelangelo's early works, dating to the end of the 15th century. The drawing, one of the few works of the Italian artist in private hands, was sold in 1907 in Paris and billed as a work of the School of Michelangelo. It was largely forgotten until 2019 when a Christie specialist recognized it as one of Michelangelo's own works. Good find. And Christie's is also selling the personal effects of basketball legend Michael Jordan, including five pairs of sneakers and a rare basketball card. Let's take a look.
In Manhattan, Christie's Kaylin Donovan display one of the five so pairs of sneakers up for bid. This pair being one of the earliest pairs of Jordans in this condition, original Jordans, that are on existence in the market. So in 1985, when this whole Michael Jordan, Jordan journey began, uh, this was the first pair, this was the Jordan 1s, you know, this is where it all began. So this is kind of like the father of the sneaker collecting world and, and community. Um, this pair being in perfect condition and being an original pair. Among them, two pairs have been signed by Jordan, including these black air Jordans. Jordan himself wore them during the 1998 NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz. The oldest pair is a pair from the beginning of his professional career in the mid-1980s. That was also when Jordan and his icon began to revolutionize the sneaker market. And so he really was the godfather, the father of the secondary sneaker market, which I think is really amazing. Um, and then furthermore, I think his legacy has really transcended in the 90s, whether it be in television, pop culture. And so we see these items, especially items that are signed and worn by him, to be highly collectible. Leading the sale is a signed Upper Deck Fleer card from 1986, the first basketball card to be sold at Christie's. Donovan called it the unicorn of the card collecting community. This card alone could potentially sell for two to three million dollars. Donovan also noted that interest in Jordan took off during the pandemic. That's when ESPN aired The Last Dance, a documentary about the Bulls' last championship run. And I think that during that time when we were all stuck indoors and feeling kind of, you know, not so optimistic, we saw this person who really led a team to something that was almost inconceivable, you know, six national championships. And so I really think everyone kind of re it reinvigorated everyone's love for Michael Jordan. And so I think we've seen the items that we're selling kind of follow that lead. The auction is titled Six Rings, Legacy of the Goat. And the number of six isn't a coincidence. It refers to the six NBA titles Jordan led his Chicago Bulls to in the 1990s. That's the latest in the Entity Business team and myself, Paul Graney. Can't still catch Entity Evening News, though. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. For Entity Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.